and Franz, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Nick. And I'm Shannon. And we are your co-hosts. And this week, uh, and Franz has really gone to the dogs. Because I'm covering <laughs> Canis Majoris, Canis Minor, and Cerberus. Yeah, uh, and I'm covering a, a grass that is also known as dog grass, but it has a bunch of names and it is like the grass. So more to come on that. Um, But I know that we have like a little tighter of a turnaround this time because Nick has work and y'all the Libra new moon has been for real, for real. So Nick, when did you feel magical this week? Well, um, you know, for everyone out there, we are recording the day after the eclipse. And so yesterday somehow miraculously had a saturday off um tried to go to an eclipse viewing failed at that uh because i thought that it was peaking at one turns out it was over at one so yeah it was peaking at 11 right it was peaking at 11 yeah so kind of missed the boat on that but i did get to see everyone's beautiful pictures of it (laughs) um because by the time I could have seen it, you know, the, it was mostly sun. So, yeah. Can I just say that um, hilariously, like, okay, so I think Nick knows this. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before. I am, um, I'm a morning person. Like, I'm one of those obnoxious people that wakes up early, even on the weekend. Uh, but yesterday, I did not wake up until eleven. <laughs> So my body was just like, solar eclipse who? We're going to sleep through it. And honestly, I think for my Virgo heart, that's what I really needed out of that was like actually to rest. It was like the universe was like, shh, go to sleep, go to sleep. No, but then I made, I did make that delicious soup. Although I will say I blasted that shit on, on the stove for like over two hours. And those lentils were still quite chewy. Okay, but like, what is it that like, I feel like every five times you make lentils, they just won't cook. Yeah, and I had such a good concept, like my sauce that they were, my little broth that they were in was so, so, so good. The house smelled amazing. Oh my god, it sounded amazing. Like when you were texting me about it last night, I was like, my mouth was watering despite the fact that I was actively painting my kitchen. Like it sounded so good, it watered through paint smell. Um, but all of that, I mean that, but the, just the process of, you know, making a little, a little lentil soup, it'll get you there. It'll get you in the mood. I love it. I d- I've been doing like a lot of, um, nesting and Nick, I'll send you photos after this, but I officially like mostly finished painting my kitchen yesterday. So I have to like do a few touch-ups, but I did this like beautiful dark gray on my cabinets that's called cinder fox and then a dark dark green on some of my walls and it feels so witchy and so homey and I've just been really trying to like get the hearth in order you know get my get my hearth and my hearth going um and it's nice like I think especially going into the fall like you know the hearth is the center of the home Nick and I are both like also kitchen witches so for me that's felt really magical like getting that space in a place where I feel 
happy with it has been very magical. Also, I do love dark green. Just just to kind of circle, circle back. I'm like, dark green, it's giving Artemis. It's giving Queen of the Forest. It's giving, look at my dark green glasses that her complimented when I ran into her at the work event. Um, which I love because her was like, oh, I love your glasses. Where did you get them? And I got to look at her dead in the face and go, zenny.com. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Zenny, if you're listening to this, I definitely was like hyping you up to her. So I feel like, uh, where are those ad dollars? Truly, truly, truly. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was eclipse season this week. I feel like that was, that was kind of, kind of the big one. Um, yeah, the energy was different. So I do. Okay. I want to do, I think the, the Canis constellations first because i i do have sort of a light intro because spoiler alert there's not a lot yeah i mean Um, i figure that i figured that would be the case but i do have to say um just as a preview it made me laugh because we're doing canis like major and minor and who did i draw for the the tarot scope this week gemini the oh my god did we really did we really both do the tarot scope again yeah, because you had two topics. I did it because I thought you had two topics. Whatever. Okay. Uh, I guess this okay. is like becoming a new norm. <laughs> but no. Okay. So I thought as sort of um, an amuse-bouche for this very dog-heavy episode, we could talk a little bit about um, fictional dogs or uh, cultural dogs in our current millennial zeitgeist. Um, yeah. So Willow? Willow is the number so, one cultural uh, touch point for dogs. I think I think so. I think Willow <laughs> is definitely a character on the podcast. Um, and also, <laughs> According I to think her, she is the star. Any interruptions from Willow this week are are adding to the theme. And she hears us talking about her. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop saying her name so much. Yeah, she literally just came and licked out my headphone. Because she was like, I am a part of this now. This is my show. The Willow Takeover. <laughs> the Willow Takeover. Um, but no, so I just wanted to say some of my favorite fictional dogs. Um, so I will start with um, Ch- Charlie B. Barkin from All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh my god. Yeah, and that is the unofficial title of this episode, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Um, and I did love that movie as a kid. And then I was kind of reading about it today about sort of the dark history of All Dogs Go to Heaven. So you know that the voice of the orphan girl in All Dogs Go to Heaven is the same girl that did Ducky. Oh, I didn't know that. The, you know, because it there was like a murder, like her dad killed her and her mom and then himself. Pretty shocking. Yeah. But that it was, was not her, good because that, Ducky is also like, that's one of the sweetest cartoon characters to ever exist. No, really though. And it is such a, such big 90s, like cultural iconography is Ducky from Land Before Time 
And then to also be in All Dogs Go to Heaven, which was not popular when it came out. People thought it was too scary for kids. But I remember kind of liking that as a kid. So. Yeah. I mean, look, we are we are spooky people. Of course, we were spooky children. Um, I also loved Scooby-Doo as a kid. Speaking of sp- yes. spooky stuff, spooky stuff with dogs. Um, Loved. But also, I did want to take uh, just a second to talk about Homeward Bound. <gasps> oh my god. Homeward Bound. We really like had a low bar for what it took to impress us as children. No, literally the whole movie of Homeward Bound is just them closing up on random or, or these these three animals kind of walking around in the woods and making a story out of it with the voiceover. Yeah. And we were just like groundbreaking cinema. <laughs> groundbreaking cinema. <laughs> Although if you really think about it, I bet those movies were so easy to make. Yeah. You know, that cost like a fucking nickel. I mean, honestly, all, the entire cost of editing. that was just like the film. It's literally all editing. Um, but yeah. also what a great, Okay, so they did not do the thing in that movie where, um, you know, like one of the characters dies, you know, it was not Joanne killing off every likable character in Harry Potter. It's like you think Shadow's not going to get out of the pit, but then he gets out of the pit. But he does. Shadow gets out of the pit. You gotta love a, a, a real happy ending. Yeah. Can I can I give a shout out for one of my favorites from being a kid? No, that's what this that's what this time is uh, for. Wishbone. <gasps> Wishbone. No, Wishbone was definitely on the list because he's like giving he, it's literary classics, right? Like Yeah. The Dr. Jekyll it, and Mr. Hyde Wishbone book was one of my favorite books of all time. Um and I just got to say the show the, the putting the dog in a costume. Yeah, you Hello. remember when Jack Russell was, like, Jack Russell's were the dog that you used and stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, um, no, wish, also, like, wishbone in his... on the car... Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I just was going to say Wishbone was such a good addition to this list. Such a good dog. One of the top dogs of all such time. Such a good dog. I mean, look, we all love a librarian. We all love a well-read person. We even, more than a well-read person, we love a well-read dog. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, I have to give, like, a special shout-out for Jake from Adventure Time. Oh, yeah, Jake from Adventure Time. Absolutely. Voice, uh, same voice actor as Bender which is one of my favorite yeah. fictional, probably one of my top favorite fictional characters is, is Bender. Oh yeah. And the new Futurama still good. Every it's, time more know, Futurama comes out, it's still good. I'm like, you know, it's soothing to my millennial soul. And I do love that one of Jake's children was voiced by um, the same voice actor that does Tina. Oh, yeah, they had, like, a whole Bob's Burgers kind of thing going on Adventure Time. Yeah, because um, Jake and his, uh, and Rainicorn's one of their kids, is 100% voiced by Tina. 
which is amazing. Well, well and no, there's two of them though, because Kristen Shaw plays one of. Uh, and can we Jake's get like kids too. Chris- Kristen Shaw becoming like one of the like main characters and what we do in the shadows has been giving. That's I I'm rewatching 30 Rock right now and you know she kind of comes in towards the end. But she's always she's, exceptional. She's still there. She's still there. She's in everything good. But okay, so let's get into these constellations though. Let's get space witchy. I I think this was such a good follow up to since we are kind of getting into the dogs of it all. Um, because we just did Orion last week. And so mythologically speaking, Canis Majoris and Canis Minor are Orion's hunting dogs. Ayo. Which, I mean, again, you know, this is kind of short and sweet on the mythology side of things because that's, that's it. But, okay, so we're talking about Canis Majoris, Canis Minor, the, like I said, this um this one is kind of short and sweet on the mythology end of things because they are Orion's hunting dogs. Full stop. Um, but there are some very fun little um, features of specifically Canis Majoris has the brightest star in the sky. I do love that the brightest star is in a dog constellation. Like that feels like very man's best friend. It really, it really does. It's um, also one of the closest stars to us. And that's why it's so bright. Um, The star itself, Sirius, which isn't that funny that the brightest star, the brightest star in the sky is Sirius. Hey, Um, again. It all makes sense. It all makes sense. Um, it's giving. But yeah, it's just because it's close, not because the star itself is like exceptionally bright, but it's just really close to us. Which is nice. Like Willow, it wants to be all up on. It wants to be all up on you, just like any good dog. Um, but then there is... Okay, so if we are looking at Orion, which is, again, one of the easiest constellations in the sky to find. And so we're looking at Orion upright, head side up. Um, And if you look down and to the left, that's where Sirius is. Uh, And again, brightest star in the sky should be pretty easy to spot. Everything you own in a box to the left. Everything you own in a box to the left. Uh, and then the little stick figure dog is just kind of off of that. Um, Sirius, actually, if you were to look at the little stick figure dog that forms the constellation, uh, is sort of the sho- where the shoulder is. Uh, it's the shul- It's the haunch of the stick figure dog that is Canis Majoris. Uh, and then Canis Minor is just above. So sort of like behind, a little further to the left than, but above Canis Majoris. And then nice. um, the, the, the brightest star in Canis Minor, Sirius, and Beetlejuice, which is in Orion, 
form the Northern Triangle, which is an old sort of navigational asterism because it points to three of the cardinal directions. And then if you have those, you've got the fourth. So Yeah, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You can extrapolate from there. You can extrapolate from there. You know, if you have north and east and west. You can find south. You can find south. <laughs> I, I guarantee it. Um, But... So again, kind of short and sweet, but I, I do kind of like the idea of, you know, Orion's hunting dogs also kind of being constellations. I'm like, I just got the Instagram photo that I have to share for this episode, and I texted it to you, speaking of dogs and constellations. Oh, absolutely. I, okay, <laughs> but I do have to say, speaking of hunting dogs, I think... A lot of boys, especially, but I think everyone will kind of feel this in their bones. But the fox and the hound. Disney had <gasps> no right putting us through that. No! Oh my god. The first movie that made me cry. Yeah, same. Big, big same. Also, who didn't want a pet fox after that? And then was also confused because you wanted a pet fox, but also Robin Hood was hot? It was a very confusing time in animation. And, you know, I do think there, speaking of that, I think there's a certain amount of, did Robin Hood breed a generation of furries? Or did he breed a generation of people that suddenly are really into men with wings? Hmm. These are, these are the questions. (laughs) inquiring minds but also this is the hard-hitting coverage that you have come to expect from wands and fronds (laughs) okay um well i'm gonna get into dog grass because like dog grass is it's like the grass um and i think it's one that everyone is familiar with so it is the one that dogs and cats will eat when their stomachs are upset and that makes a lot of sense so it's um elemis repens other names are Common couch, which is very weird to me. Um, twitch, quick grass, quitch grass, also sometimes just quitch, uh, dog grass, our friend, quack grass, scutch grass, and witch grass. So it's it's one though, it's been used in medicine like since ancient Greek and Roman times. Um, the sweet root has also been used as like a coffee substitute. And you can mix it in with like wheat flour. And that was something they used to do when they were in like times of scarcity. It's perennial and native to most of Europe, Asia, Northwest Africa, and the Arctic biome. So (laughs) widespread. It's now naturalized though, like basically everywhere. It's considered a weed in a lot of places. It spreads through creeping rhizomes. So, you know, like our minty friends, it can really take over And that's part of the problem with it, like becoming invasive is like those rhizomes can actually get tangled with the roots of other plants and kind of choke them out. So, you know, we're all for consensual choking, but this case, uh, not so much because it's murder. So, but if, if we're talking about like what it looks like, it's the grass that has like the, the jointed leaves kind of like stalks of corn, And I think it's like, so you know which one I'm talking about, right? Like all the leaves are jointed in together and then it gets like 
this spike at the top with the the hard seeds inside of it and i've got my culpepper's guide so i can show you nick no you um it's that one. Oh, okay yeah 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 no because literally it's like the grass I was... that everyone had in their yard growing up absolutely well, and it, but it's so funny because it's like i looked up dog grass and it's just a bunch of pictures of dogs peeing yeah, you got to be careful with that. Um, but it's like, it's the grass, right? So we're not going to talk about growing it because if you can't grow dog grass, then I don't know what to tell you. Like growing anything might not be for you, but also it just shows up. Like it's in Park La Brea and I'm like, I have no idea where it came from. There's no grasses planted other than like horrible turf. So, but it just shows up. Um even though, again, it, like, is kind of a pain in the ass for some gardeners, I do have to say that, like, it's a really important forage grass for a lot of mammals. Um, the seeds are eaten by grassland birds, like buntings, and one of my favorites, finches. I love a finch. Some caterpillars, like, eat it as well. So, you know, even though it's annoying to us, a lot of things eat it. So, let's talk about herbalism uses. Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. I'm not a doctor. Nick's not a doctor. This podcast is not intended to treat or diagnose anything. Please always talk to your doctor before starting any sort of herbal regimen, especially if you're pregnant or trying to become pregnant, because that's a lot to deal with. Anyway, so um, again, this grass like tastes sweet and it's good for your stomach. Like there's a reason that animals are drawn to it when their stomachs are upset. And it's because it... um. It's a, it's like a powerful diuretic, but it also has like polysaccharides and mucilage in it, which can really help if your gut's inflamed. But it is really, really good for kidney and bladder irritations and even infections. And I think especially if you're dealing with any sort of like issues in your urinary tract, it's really important to try and find gentle things to help with it because uh, they're very sensitive organs. And so I think this is a good one to start with because it is a powerful diuretic, but it has those like, it has that mucilage and it has anti-inflammatory effects on like the bladder lining. So as a diuretic, it can help like clear out waste, salt, and excess water in your kidneys. But like really importantly, it can inhibit microbial growth in the urinary tract system, which is quite frankly... It's, it's clutch. Like that's kind of what you need. So the sugar compounds that it releases um, when they come in contact with water can like soothe mucous membranes throughout the body. And that's like, that's the side of it that also like, in addition to inhibiting that growth, it helps soothe things and flush out all the excess like salts and stuff. So you just want to make sure you're drinking lots of water. But one of the compounds in dog grass that's really important here. It's called tritycin. Um, it's a polysaccharide that's related to inulin. And we've talked some about inulin with like all sorts of like herbs and fruits and vegetables um, because it's something that is a type of prebiotic that you find in like healthy raw foods that can help encourage a healthy gut bacteria. But the tritycin or tritycin, I never know how to say these things. Um, that's what actually makes it like a good remedy for mild cystitis too. So when certain sugar compounds are released into your urinary tract, the bacteria that can cause things like cystitis and other like mild infections are actually attracted to those sugar compounds. So they kind of like 
release their hold in the urethra and glom onto this. So as you're drinking water, it flushes them out. So it's kind of like a nice little magnet that gets in there and picks up all the baddies, which is great. It's also though, why if you're taking things like this, you need to make sure you're drinking a lot of water because you have to flush it out. Gathering it up's not enough. And I say this as someone drinking a quad like PSL right now, coffee is not enough. You got to drink actual water. Um, Interestingly, couch grass is also an expectorant. I think you see that in a lot of things that have mucilage in general, Um, but you can also use it as a gargle to help with sore throats. And I think this time of year, like laryngitis is going to be coming up a lot, you know, as we're all getting into the holiday season, things start getting colder, you're spending more time inside, you're chit-chatting constantly with your family, a little couch grass gargle could help. Um, and the reason that it helps with your gut when things have mucilage in them is actually because like they're not broken down by the human digestive system. So in addition to like helping soothe that inflammation, it can also absorb things like irritants and toxins in your bowels and help you pass things that could be upsetting your tummy. Hence the reason your dog and your cat go straight for this grass when they go outside. Um, so according to our buddy Culpepper, it's under the dominion of Jupiter. And as he says, it's the most medicinal of all the quick grasses. The way that like you often see it used is um, the roots. Like the roots are really what most people use. You can like use the leaves, but the roots are the most concentrated like medicinal values. So um, you can use them to make a decoction. Uh, and I always, I've seen a few places that sell tinctures of, of this grass, but the thing is for stuff that has mucilage in it, like a tincture actually isn't the best method to take it because the alcohol, not only can it like destroy the mucilage if it's too potent, but it can also break down the polysaccharides, which are what you're trying to get at for things like this. So decoct it, that's the way to go boil it down all day. I've even seen some people put things like, you know, couch grass root. You see it with slippery elm too, where they'll actually cook it in a crock pot for like days and just continually like re-up the water so they can really get all of the goodies out of it. Um, If you are like really wanting to make a bunch of it and preserve it for later, there's this cool system um, that is, it's called like Uh, where is it? It's a double extraction. So essentially what you do is like you make a really strong decoction and then you add like a measured amount of alcohol to help preserve that. But again, like if you're, if you're wanting to get like an herb that has like either a lot of mineral content or you need the polysaccharides or the mucilage, a straight tincture is not the way you're going to get those constituents. So I just, I wanted to kind of like clarify that because I I do see it a lot and there's some stuff you can still get out of like the tinctures of these things, but like you just have to kind of know what you're wanting to use the plant for. And that's where it's helpful to like talk to an herbalist. So magical again, this is a Jupiter plant. We love Jupiter. It's great. It's expansive. It, It calls in the good. But it's also like kind of a cool one magically because it's it's one of those things where it's protective, but still like calls in good stuff. I think you have to kind of be careful with like protection magic sometimes because um, you don't want to like block everything. 
right? You want to find that good balance where you're blocking out the bad, but still leaving space for the good to come in. And I think grass is like a fun one to work with magically because you can braid it. I have seen some like cool stuff, like witchy people have done with grasses where they'll make like a bunch of smaller braids and like put them together in like a bigger braid or like weave them into stuff. You can even take like long, good grasses and put them in like floral bouquets. You know, they, they're really like, you, you can do a lot with them. I feel like they're really accessible um, and really versatile. Of course, you can put that shit under your doormat. Uh, you can you can also put it in a sleep sachet. You know, if you're wanting to do some like, you know, protection, if you're having bad dreams, I think that's really great. Um, but you can you can put these like really cool like grass braids, either like hang them in, on your front door or I've seen some people like hanging them in windows too. Just to like really call in the goodies, keep out the baddies. Um, so, you know, I think it's it's a gentle one, both medicinally and magically. I think it's also probably a really great like support plant in plant magic, you know, just to like kind of like serve as like a bit of a bumper on some things that can maybe be a bit more intense. So uh, my source it's, it's is today. Your, it's your little guard dog. Exactly. It's your little guard dog that's just kind of helping out. It's like your little plant familiar that is also a dog. Um, so that's that's it. I mean, it is short and sweet, but it's a grass that we all know, we've all seen. Um, my sources today were wintergreen botanicals, indigoherbs.co.uk, Wikipedia, um, Culpepper's Complete Herbal, Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs, plenty of Reddit pages. Y'all know the drill. So that's that. That's 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 dog grass, couch grass, you know, witch grass. It's the grass. It's the grass. Hey. The grass. <laughs> well, oh right. So we are keeping the dog fun going. Talking about Cerberus. Um, but just right up top, I do want to ask you, Shannon. Do you remember, I believe it was McDonald's did a promotion um, when the movie Hercules came out and they had plates, specifically like a set of plates you could get? Yes. Um, I think that's so important. I think it's so important for everyone to know that we had those plates and those were my favorite plates. I am, uh, I am, I am shook but not surprised. Right. Um, But, okay, I do also have to throw out there that, weirdly, a lot of the historical evidence of depictions of Cerberus comes from dishes and vases, specifically cups and vases. So, first of all, it seems like it was a, common theme for housewares to have sort of the different elements of the story of Hercules. But what a very... high-end reference from McDonald's. But what a high-end <laughs> reference from McDonald's. Uh, but really, by using those plates, we were engaging in a, uh, a tradition that goes back to, you know, um, the BC times. And we know that McDonald's is committed to historical (laughs) accuracy. But no, I just, it's crazy to me that, like, they literally were putting Hercules on their, like, 
cups and vases and presumably plates. I mean, I mean, presu- think presumably- about what people. I mean, think about what people hundreds of years from now will think that we worshipped based on our McDonald's plate collections. <laughs> true, true, true. But I mean, if you have cups and vases, I I assume somewhere there was a whole dish set that maybe included plates is all i'm saying and if someone made it i would buy it today absolutely absolutely etsy witches get on that please yeah make some real hercules plates please um but okay so cerberus kind of getting into it is traditionally depicted as a three-headed dog um so one of three children using the term children loosely of uh typhon and echidna who are sort of like gorgon um you know these primordial monsters and children of gaia um which are not giants not the greek gods they're kind of just these monsters uh and typhon has snakes for legs like an octopus kind of but snakes spooky and then so um cerberus's siblings are the hydra which you know also questionable how many heads the hydra has sometimes it's also three sometimes it's seven uh i think part of the legend is that when you cut off one head of the hydra three grow back in its place uh so we're we're, yeah it it can get a lot of heads (laughs) uh and then also the kind the chimera which has you know the the lion the goat the snake a lot of heads as well um so cerberus is sometimes depicted uh, sort of in textual story. I think part of this is just, you know, what's easier to put on a cup. Uh, But in some stories, Cerberus has a hundred heads. Yeah, that's not going to fit on your dessert plate. Yeah, that's not going to fit on your dessert plate or your cup or your vase, really. Uh, And also, you know, what a pain in the ass for the mosaic artist. Yeah, I mean, look. At some point, you gotta you gotta edit. You gotta edit. So we've got three heads, but then sometimes having like a lion's made Medusa style made of snakes. So you have the three heads, and then you have like a lion's mane or like a frill of snakes instead of hair. Okay, that's really cool. Um, I do kind of like that version. I feel like that. Um, you kind of get the best of both worlds. So like three I just dog- really respect I really respect how multi-purpose snakes were in Greek mythology. Oh yeah, you know, you, your tail could be a snake, your hair could be snakes, your legs could be snakes. Also, <laughs> yeah, there is something in the water though with all of these multi-headed uh, snakes for body parts kind of creatures and someone needs to call Aaron Brockovich (laughs) yeah someone's polluting that river someone is polluting that river but so Cerberus also only has one piece of mythology which is 
Hercules' 12th um, feat, which is, yeah, that's the only story that Cerberus appears in. You do get a little bit of the backstory of Cerberus there, and we're just going to go with sort of the Homer version from the Odyssey. I feel like that's a fine original version. So we have uh, Eurystheus, who is the king of Tyrans, um, who challenges Hercules to his final labor. That's the word I was trying to think of. It's the 12th labor out of 12. So the story is the 12 labors of Hercules. And the final one is that this king sends Hercules to Hades to bring back Cerberus, who guards the gates of Hades. So then Hercules, aided by Hermes, who is like the traditional, if you need to go to the underworld, you need someone to show you around. Hermes is your guy. And they do. Um, but on the, on the way, he does have to induct himself into the Eleusinian mysteries as well, because they, part of that is learning the secrets of entering and exiting the underworld, because a lot of people can get to the underworld, but up until this point, no one has been able to get back out of the underworld. Yeah, a bit of a Hotel California situation. A bit of a Hotel California situation, which actually, there's um, two previous sort of heroes that are down there. Um, Also, with the snakes, they're tied to the chair, this chair of forgetfulness, which is one of the pitfalls in Hades that kind of traps people there. It's just this chair (laughs) that when you sit on it, uh, you kind of have total amnesia. But these guys are sort of bound with these snakes to this chair of forgetfulness so that they can never get up and remember. So they're just like, they're in sort of a permanent amnesiac coma. Snakes, they're tied up with, they're tied up with snakes. That kind of sounds like when I forget to take my Vivance. (laughs) right so um he's able to get theseus out but then when he tries to get pirithus out the earth literally starts shaking and it's like no you can't um so i guess i I guess it's one of those things where pirithus really fucked up pirithus really fucked up and they yeah. were like, no, like, no, you're going to stay in Hades covered in snakes. Um, Yikes. But, so but again, the, uh, multi-purpose snake use. Multi-purpose, you know, we can use, you can use a snake for pretty much anything. <laughs> so, you know, Hercules down in Hades saves Theseus, brings back Cerberus and because basically it was supposed to be this impossible task and he was like ha 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 and then you're gonna go to hades you're so stupid no one ever gets out of hades but then he does and he brings cerberus and then they have to you know deal with this giant three-headed dog who is presumably vicious as all fuck because it's a guard dog uh and basically they send him back 
it's like they're like oh yeah i i guess cool you got cerberus put him back what are you doing why did you bring it bring it here of all places yeah they really didn't think that one through all the way they really didn't think that one through all the way so yeah they they kind of returned to cinder (laughs) it's like you know we thought adopting a dog was for us but really you know he's tearing up the house Barking at all hours of the night. And, uh, you know, once you get one head to shut up, the other two start in. So, really, yeah. it's... Um, I mean, look. Untenable. Untenable. But, so, yeah, it's pretty short. It's pretty sweet. I do kind of like the Cerberus imagery, though. Like, I do think we should bring back having Cerberus on our cups and bases. Yeah. I support this. But I also feel like, you know, sort of as as a totemic use of Cerberus, just as, again, kind of like you were talking about with the dog grass, where it's like, there is this protective imagery, you know, it's sort of the ultimate guard dog, and kind of a spooky one at that. And definitely, yeah, I'm like, like, I want to find a good, like, underworld. I want to find a good garden statue of Cerberus. I love, and I love that. I'm like, let's bring back Cerberus as like tchotchkes, art pieces, plates, cups. Yeah. I want merch. I want Cerberus merch. <laughs> um, but yeah, also kind of like a a pretty prime spot to be as far as you know if the story is the 12 libras of hercules to be the last one that's you know that's the one people are going to remember yeah oh absolutely but i uh that's pretty much it you know like i said cerberus does not appear in apparently any of the other greek myths so Cool. <laughs> well, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first on our, our double header taroscope? Well, um, you know, I just, I just did Cerberus. So why don't you go first? Yeah. So um, again, I got Gemini, the twins, which is really funny because literally on my walk with Eric and Willow this morning, I was like, you know, I just like have not met a Gemini that I jive with. Hasn't happened yet. Um, but then the the telescope was like, hey, you should like fucking be nice. Uh, so for you all, I have drawn celebration from my fairy oracle deck. Fairies love to party notoriously. And this is really like, you know, it's it's a time to let your hair down type message. Like maybe you've been working a little too hard, Gemini's too hard on that hustle. Uh, take some time to celebrate. I also like that the recommendation in here is like to keep a diary to mark down special occasions so you never miss an opportunity for a party, which I'm like, that was written by a fairy. It's like you need a date book, but just for parties. Um, So yeah, y'all, Gemini's, let down your hair, get out your party clothes, put on your dancing shoes, and have some fun because like you cannot be a productive person 24 seven. And I am like saying this as someone who notoriously is bad at not, you know, who's bad at taking time 
to have fun and enjoy frivolity. So I'm encouraging you to to do as I say, not as I do. Take some time to stop working so hard and party, maybe with the fae. <laughs> but don't uh, eat their perhaps. food if they invite you into fairy. Don't eat their food. No, don't <laughs> don't drink their drinks. Don't eat their food. Um all right. So, part 2 of the taroscope. I got Scorpio. Ooh. And then for Scorpio, I got the moon. <gasps> which so, also has a lobster on it. <laughs> which also has a lobster on it, which is the scorpion of the sea. <laughs> I like to think that scorpions are the lobsters of the land. Truly. We all but come from the water. We do all come from the water. So, you know, this card is kind of, <clears throat> I think, especially with the eclipse season, showing that there might you might have repressed something so much that it is jumping out at you in maybe new and unexpected ways. I feel like I definitely have uh, anxiety, and sometimes anxiety is very much like that, where, you know, sort of like... And I saw this in an interpretation of the moon card where basically it was like, you know, if you were in a car wreck as a child and you have repressed it and never really worked through it and you um, are kind of wondering why you're always sad when you are in the backseat of the car, like sometimes it can be so cathartic and so healing to find that connection uh, even if it doesn't really get rid of the anxiety just to kind of find the stem of it which i have known many scorpios in my life and i know you guys push stuff down you love to put just push your feelings down and maybe this is a sign to have to do an inventory you know especially yeah. if you've been having some sort of unexplained to you uh anxious feelings or you know like your intuition is pinging something here so you know let it out into the light use that eclipse energy nice and yeah you got you guys so what do we say to all of the uh, i don't uh, i can't even think of one um what do we say? <laughs> what do we say to all what the do... bitches? Because it's just bitches, man. Because uh, it's just bitches. I was trying. I really was trying to think of like a a doggy bitches joke, but to just the bitches. Yeah, blessed be bitches. Blessed be bitches. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye now. Yeah, we're here. We're queer. Hopefully, this will work. <laughs>